So this morning we are going to be returning to our Lenten series entitled Holy Attention. And the goal of the series is that we're trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. To understand that heaven, that eternity, is not an eternal golf game that we can just go play whenever we want to, and it's not an eternal church service. And as a pastor, I am particularly grateful that I don't have to do this for all time and space. Rather, heaven, biblically, is built upon the concept that we are relational beings. That is where we find our meaning. Heaven in the book of Revelation is the moment when we gather around the throne of God and we look into the eyes of our creator, that we will look in one another's eyes and in that space of focused attention, we will reach a point of completion where we will lose track of time and space. And we're not just there by ourselves. We are there with people from every tribe and every tongue, humanity gathered together around this throne. So the idea of this series is that as we can learn to understand that God's attention is focused on us, when we can in this distracted age focus ourselves on God and focus ourselves on living in community with one another, this gap between heaven and earth gets a little bit smaller. So we're going to return. And in this series, what we're doing each and every week is studying one aspect of how we live in this relationship of sacred attention with God and each other, and then give you practices. We want you to experience this. As we return to our Holy Attention series this week, it's going to be important to see that the practice we're going to be inviting you to uh, engage in is going to feel a little different in this age of COVID-19. In fact, it might even feel a little bit out of place or even inappropriate because the focus this week is on the practice of prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving. It's important to see that both in the history of this nation as well as, and more importantly, biblically, that times where we focus on giving thanks are not the result of everything going well or everything being good. Take, for example, the first ever Thanksgiving. We look back to the year 1621. The pilgrims had been in the Plymouth colony for over a year. And from the time they had left England until the celebration of that first Thanksgiving in 1621, over half of their numbers, over half of the people that left England had died. There was not one family at that original Thanksgiving that had not experienced personal direct tragedy, the loss of a parent, a child, a sibling, a best friend. And yet, as they had gone through that year with so much tragedy, God had provided most importantly through Native American neighbors who had been good neighbors to these pilgrims, helping them to flourish. And they invited these neighbors to come and give a three-day celebration of giving thanks to God. But that's not where the holiday became entrenched in the life of this country officially. Where Thanksgiving became a national holiday was over 200 years later in 1863, when President Abraham Lincoln, in the midst of the Civil War, declared that the fourth Thursday in November would be a national day of giving thanks. Now, as any historian knows, 1863 was the height of the Civil War and, and, and the depth for the Union, for the North. For three years, they had lost almost every major battle. Hundreds of thousands of lives had been lost. People had been maimed and injured. Uh, people had been imprisoned and were being held in prison. Every community throughout the country was facing the uncertainty and the difficulty and the strain of war. And yet it was in that time that the president said, we need to stop and remember that also God has been good to us in this time. 
We see that the practice of gratitude, of giving thanks, of paying attention to that is not the result of good circumstances, but that giving thanks and gratitude to God is a choice that we make. And this is clearly taught in the scriptures, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the passages of scripture we're looking at today that John read from uh, Psalm 23, one of the most well-known uh, passages that exists in the Bible, we see this concept taught again. Now, if you have a Bible with you, you'll see that uh, in the first three verses, there are attributes of God that the psalmist gives that are wondrous and beautiful of what it means to follow the good shepherd, that God is our shepherd. And what that means is that we shall not want. God provides for us. It says that he'll restore our soul, that he leads us beside still waters, that he leads us in his paths for righteousness sake. The good shepherd guides our steps and provides for us and gives us comfort. But when we read the psalm and we get to verse 4, we see a shift, a change that the psalmist is writing about. For the first three verses, God is the focus. God will comfort. God will provide. God will lead us. But the psalmist acknowledges that there are times that we walk through difficulty and God is not the author of those moments. Many of us learned verses 4, 5, and 6. We learned the whole psalm in English in the, the, the King James Version. Verse 4 starts in that version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now the version John read this morning is from the New Revised Standard Version, which we use here at Covenant. It has a bit more expansive translation. It doesn't just focus on death. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, you are with me. I will not be afraid. The word in Hebrew that we are translating either shadow of death or darkest valley is the Hebrew word salmawet. Salmawet is found several times in the Old Testament, and it always refers to times of difficulty. It's found more than any other book in the book of Job for example. But it's accurate to translate it as something more expansive than just something that we depend on when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It is about those times, but it can be about any time we walk through a dark valley, any time we walk through difficulty, any time we walk through the darkest valley. This psalm applies. And the psalmist reminds us that when we're in that time, God is with us. And he then has this wonderful uh, way of, of expressing that in the midst of that valley, God prepares a table for us, a banquet table. It's not that the table is going to be there when we get out of the dark valley at the end. It's that right there in the valley, in the middle of the, our enemies, God prepares a table. God provides for us. It's fascinating imagery. And one commentary I read on it said, that, that, that really this imagery may go back to when the King David would lead the Hebrew people to go and fight in battles. That there was this understanding that sometimes at night, before the battle was fought, that King David would lay out a banquet feast on tables and that the soldiers would come and they would give thanks to God. That they would have this banquet feast very close to where the battle line was because they wanted their enemies to hear that before the battle was fought, the people of God were giving thanks. Again, it's important to understand here that, that Thanksgiving or that this banquet feast that David and the troops would celebrate, it wasn't about a, a Pollyanna-ish way of looking at life. It was about a choice in the midst of hardship. 
There was no way that when the pilgrims celebrated that first Thanksgiving that it was just choose happiness for three days. All of them had experienced tragedy, but they also needed to remember the good things that God was doing as they walked through that dark time. There was no way when Abraham Lincoln said, we're gonna have a national day of giving thanks, that anyone just thought, let's just choose happiness and forget about the hard things for a day, but rather it was about seeing that God was with them and providing for them in the midst of that dark time. For David, he knew that some of those troops who were celebrating might die, that that suffering might happen, but he wanted to remind himself, but also to remind his troops and the enemies that God would be with them individually and collectively, no matter what the next day held. That's the imagery that I see here in Psalm 23 when it says right there in the middle of the valley, right in the darkness, right in the presence of your enemies, God prepares a table. It's choosing to see life accurately. It's not choosing to be naive that suffering and the dark valley aren't real, but it's also, and we must remember this in this time, it's also not focusing on the idea that the darkness is all that there is. Because God is still shepherding us. We invite you to choose to pay attention this week to how gratitude can draw us into the presence of God. Every day in our Lenten devotional, there's going to be an opportunity for you to engage in practices to do this. But as I close today, I want to invite you into a tradition for our family that we're using. And that is the use of what we have as a gratitude jar. Now, I got to tell you that the gratitude jar has been in our family for several years. You see a picture of it on the screen in front of you now. And, uh, and it's something that I have to give credit to my wife to. She brought it home and uh, said that I think this is something that's good for us to do. So that when we go through hard times, we can also write down the good things that God is doing. We place a piece of paper that's always next to the gratitude jar uh, and, a pen, and the pen that's there. We can write things down that are happening, place it in the jar, and then whenever we're going through hard times, we go and pull that out. Anyone in the family is allowed to go read the gratitude jar and to see what's there. It can give you the right perspective in the hard times to remember how God has provided The gratitude jar has moved in our family this week. You see, it used to be in the dining room in a corner so that no little hands or feet could hit it and knock it over and break it. But this week, we've moved it to the kitchen, which is where it's pictured here, so that no one can miss it, so that no one can gather and not see it, so that no one can write something down. You don't have to convince our family, like any family or any individual right now, that we're walking through a dark valley. We are, and there's a lot of uncertainty but we wanna see life accurately to remember that God keeps preparing a table before us. And if you do that this week, if today you create your own gratitude jar, if you engage in this practice, if we continue to make this choice as a community this week, then the words that the psalmist ends with will be in our hearts and our lips as we continue through this valley. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May it be so. Amen.